Hey, Phil. Hey, Sunda. You want to talk about our fourth anniversary of podcasting? Wow, four years already? Wait, I'm going to do some quick math here. Okay. So at 15 minutes a show. Wait a minute. Then 200 <laughs> episodes. No, 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 no. That comes out no. to... What? What? I'm, I mean, let me just put it to you this way. If you say 15 minutes a show, are you supposed to be calculating outtakes or actual show length? No, no. When we started the show, we said it was going to be a short form yeah, podcast. Yeah, 15 no. minutes a show. No, 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 no. Okay. So oh, it's, it's not that? No. Take that number and multiply by about three. Yikes. And you've edited all of those? <laughs> Yikes. And welcome to the 200th episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm your host who keeps making the show longer and longer, Phil. And I am your other host who has to keep editing the show, Senda. <laughs> so this is our 200th episode, which unofficially marks the fourth season of the show, marks our fourth year of the completion of our fourth year of podcasting. The actual date of the first recording of the first show was actually sometime like in March, but we don't actually use calendars for tracking this. We um, yeah, we just go by numbers. Primarily track it from show numbers. So yeah. 200 is is the end of our fourth season and the beginning of our fifth season. So that's uh, that's that's cool stuff. Yeah, it's actually 200 is also a pretty big landmark. Not a lot of podcasts hit 200. Yeah, no. I mean, it's. I mean, my other podcast still hasn't, but that's because we're bi-weekly because it's well, been you're going bi longer. This is weekly. Yeah. Um, but you guys have been around at longer than she's super geek is older. Yes. Yeah, calendar wise than than pandas. Yeah, by by about a year. Yeah. Yeah, but still, as podcasts go, it's it's hard to it's get to two hundred episodes. Yeah, it's big. It's big. Um, which means that we're really good at doing the same thing over and over. And I mean, no kidding. To put this in perspective, for 200 weeks, yes, every week, every week, I write a show. Yes. And every, every week, I edit a show. And every week, we, we record a show. We skip a week here and there. Yep. For conventions. Not by much. Yep. Not even for conventions. We almost always cover up because we well, double we up, up some but weeks. That's, those are the only weeks that we don't actively record. Yeah, or exactly. Edit, but right? we've already like put one in the can, kind of thing. Yep, yep, yep. We also, in case you are thinking we are super professional, <laughs> we don't have a backlog no, of shows. There's no backlog, you guys. This show is in in manufacturing <laughs> terms. This show is delivered just in time. Yes, this is a um, this is a recorded on demand show. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I pick a topic on Monday. Yep. I write the show notes on Friday. Yep. We record on the following Monday. Yep. You start editing almost immediately after the show. Like yeah. you start that Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Yep. And post the show by Sunday. Yep. At the latest. Yep. And and we don't. We don't stop. stop. Yeah. <laughs> Conventions, illnesses have only once or twice stopped us. Um pandemic has not stopped us yeah, no it's handy like, that we were already recording remotely and we just didn't have to adjust anything pretty good at that anyway that's 200 200 episodes. is big 
it's yeah. big. Anyway, um, this all wouldn't be possible, uh, of course, without all the great topics that y'all have been giving us over the years, because otherwise we would literally not have anything to talk about. Because I feel like you wouldn't have listened to us talk about 200 episodes of the Ditch Lilies. I think some of them would have. 200 episodes, though? I mean, they stuck with us through a couple, but 200? Anyway, so we also want to thank all of you for being part of the show, for being part of what makes the show possible, and for contributing your questions and suggestions that we use to keep the show going and keep everything interesting and fresh and have cool things to talk about, right? So... Our, tonight, our plan is we're going to answer a little bitty short question. We're going to do it real fast. Um, and then we're going to look back on our favorite episodes from this year. And then we're going to look forward to what season five might look like. So, Phil, why don't you tell us our question for the night? Sure. My co-host on The Misdirected Mark, uh, GM Gerrymander, emailed us and asked, can you talk about campaign GM stress versus the can I run this adventure in under four hours? one-shot GM stress. So, yeah, let's talk about the stress of running games, because that's a thing. And before we dive too deep into it, we do need to acknowledge that stress itself is not bad in moderation. Right. In in moderation is the key, right? Light yep. to moderate amounts of stress can help you as a GM create focus and motivation to be on top of things and be aware. Um, but above that, it's not healthy or it can be unhealthy and it can be not fun to feel really stressed out about that stuff. And if it's not fun or enjoyable to GM because it's too stressful, it can make you lose interest in running the game, right? Yeah. And how much stress is too much is actually quite relative. It has everything to do with our own individual responses to stress. Right. So there are some people who can manage really large amounts of stress and it doesn't even phase them. Right. So but other people can have um, very strong physical reactions to small amounts of stress. I have weird physical reactions to stress and it stinks. And it's something that I have to be very um, aware of, right? So it's important in general to be aware of your stress limits and how you cope with them and what is still in the comfortable range for you. Yeah, we're by no means a therapy podcast, mm -hmm. um, but very time. much how you, like, <laughs> but we both go to therapy yes. for a long time. So um, how you deal with stress is actually a big deal, right? Like, I, I mean, we could talk, we could talk. Um, about our own ways of coping, but that is a thing that's going to be uh, specific to you, how you cope with your stress and how much stress is too much stress. Yep. So as Jerry acknowledged, there are actually different types of stresses when it comes to the types of games that you're running. Right. So in one shots, um, we're usually mostly talking about conventions. So the common kinds of stress that you would encounter are things like time constraints and time management, which, you know, you're trying to run your game within a fixed time frame. So trying to hit all of your points and manage it, you know, in that time frame, you are probably or often running this game for strangers or people that you don't know. So you also have stress in terms of immediately quickly picking up how to read those people at your table, make educated guesses on how to function um, with that group, right? Um, you might have performance anxieties, right? Making sure that your one shot is a good experience for everyone because you only have this one opportunity to have that moment. And boy, I'm familiar with that one because when I am 
doing a one shot at a convention, not only am I probably promoting some podcasts, I might also be promoting games, right? So it being a good experience for the people at my table is like really important. And then there's also, and this is just how conventions work, right? Environmental stressors, right? So you might be running this in a crowded space. The noise level may be high um, or difficult to talk through or around. It might be cold or way too hot because the temperature's never right in those big rooms, right? And like maybe the, the, the chairs might be awful. The table might be the wrong shape or like really tippy or like might have a table leg right where your knee is, right? Like they're just... They're, <laughs> I mean, there's there's lack of food, lack of sleep, lack of water, lack of water, right? Like those things, like hangovers, we talk, depending. <laughs> I mean, if you do that at a con, I, don't, I mean, people, I thing. don't, but people have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we talk about those th- things about like prepping envi- like for your environment for cons. We've talked about that before. But yeah, those are like, those are definitely stressful things. Yeah. Now, when we talk about campaigns, our stresses, um, not that we can't have any of the ones that you've mentioned, but normally the stresses that we have in campaigns are along the lines of originality, keeping it interesting, keeping it going, right? Like our job in run in GMing a campaign is to kind of keep this game going over time. And, you know, that means that we have to come up with new content. We have to make sure that, you know, we're not running the same super villain encounters over and over, right? That our our villains are are unique, and that you know we're keeping everybody's interest level session after session and all of that. So that can definitely be stressful. Real life is actually another stress that comes into the game. Yeah, because you're playing on a regular basis, and because you're not at a convention. Because when you're at a convention, typically, and I for most people, you are separated from most of your responsibilities right now some yes. people bring their kids and some people are on call for work but for a lot of us when we go to a convention we are actually like in a in a separate world like we are we are free from most of the things that we are responsible for but when we run campaigns like after work or on the weekends like our real lives are very much a part of of what happens when we get to the table and so Work stresses, finance, relationship issues, like those are all stresses on either the GM or members of the group, those kinds of things. Uh, The next one, which is always a challenge with prolonged campaigns, is coordination and scheduling. Like there are times where you hit all your games on schedule and then there's times where all of a sudden... Uh, somebody's sick, somebody has to take a work trip, somebody's got a, a family event, and like all of a sudden your whole schedule for the campaign is jumbled and you haven't played in like a few sessions. And then, you know, how do I keep this game together if we're all starting to, we haven't played for a while, right? That can be very stressful. And then lastly uh, would be interpersonal conflict. This is one I'm actually very fortunate I don't have anymore in any of my campaigns. But when you have the same group of people continuously interacting with each other, Sometimes people rub each other the wrong way, and because you're playing over and over and over, um, eventually that friction can actually cause something to erupt in the game or outside of the game, and that can also be very stressful. Like I said, I am very fortunate. All of my groups, and I have three, are lovely <laughs> like it is the one stress i do not have I, it's currently a stress, running games it is a stress that i no longer have and i am so appreciative to not <laughs> right yep. like 
done that. Cool. Anyway, the important thing about knowing what these stresses are or can be is to understand which of them sound like the things that are manageable to you versus which ones might feel a little bit not manageable, right? So like you might be fine working under pressure for a few sessions in a convention weekend, but like dread having to invest long term in keeping the game going. Yeah. Conversely, you might be fine with keeping a longer, like all the activities to keep a longer game going, but you are, you don't like to, like, you don't like the stress of being put on the spot to run a one shot. Yeah. Uh, And lastly, you could just be fine with either of these, right? Like maybe, maybe neither one of these is better or worse for you. Yeah. So, I mean, this is where we get into just like speaking personally for me. I'm much more comfortable with one shots because um, I haven't haven't always like had I haven't always had really good luck with campaigns, honestly. Right. Especially um, I've I've every group, but my current group has ended in some sort of interpersonal implosion. And I'm not great with dealing with interpersonal conflict. It's something that we were just talking about how we're all in therapy earlier, like. I'm working on that, right? But like, I don't need conflict interpersonally in my game group, which is supposed to be that thing that is feeding me back spoons, right? So I haven't always had really good luck with campaigns. And while I have run a couple of campaigns and then enjoyed them, I've also run so many campaigns that completely flopped because I wasn't, I was trying to run campaigns in a way that didn't actually work to me. And I I, I was trying to prep them differently the way that it seemed like you were supposed to prep campaigns. And so I've definitely learned that like the prep style that I approach a campaign with um, and the type of game that I choose to run as a campaign will make a really big difference about whether a campaign is necessarily successful for me or not, right? So there are very specific parameters for me to run a multi-session game. If there's too much prep work, Um, and I feel overwhelmed or stressed out by like the ongoing commitment of it, or if I feel like I um, am doing a ton of planning and I'm over planning and then I stress out in the session because I can't remember because I have too much content planned because I tried to plan for the next six sessions or whatever. Like those are all things I've done and learned that I don't enjoy. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So Phil, uh, where do you fall on that continuum? Yeah. I mean, no surprise, right? Uh, I'm actually far more comfortable with campaigns. Yeah. Um, I know I, this is this question shouldn't come as a shock considering the basis of this podcast. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> it, it shouldn't. Four years later, should be no shock. I'm more comfortable with uh, campaigns, probably because it will for a couple of reasons. One, coordination, managing people and schedules and stuff is actually part of my day job, right? So, like, I am perfectly well equipped to kind of keep that hustle going, right? Like, I can handle all that. But the other thing is. Much of my, I mean, much of most of my gaming for the last 40 years has been in campaigns Mm -hmm. because I have had the fortune of having face-to-face groups with different people, but uh, like at various times in my life since the 80s, right? Like I've, I've always had a game group and I've always been the GM and it's always been my job to, to run campaigns. So I'm very comfortable with the, um, the parts of like keeping it fresh, keeping it going. Um, I I have learned over time to create space in my campaign to let people vent their personal lives. I'm very good at 
knowing when the schedule's not going to work and not sweat it. Right. I used to be very anxious about that. Now I'm like very much like it's cool. We'll game. We'll, we'll all be back together. So I'm, I guess the best way to put it is I'm playing this as the long game, right? I'm not rushing to get six sessions into the next, like, you know, five weeks or whatever. Like we'll get what we get and we'll enjoy it while we're at the table and we'll have a good time. But I've always had my preference has always been campaigns. I have learned to run one shots, but like 10 or so years ago, I had to actually start actually working on that. And I am happy to run one shots when we go to conventions, right? It is a a thing that I'm totally comfortable with and I'm happy to do it when we go to, when we go out to conventions, especially to um, meet people as a way of meeting people or as a way of showing off our games and things like that. I really enjoy that. It's never been, it's never my preference. My preference is to uh, play with people over and over. I guess the best way to put it is I hate bars. I love restaurants. Mm, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to sit down and have a full meal with you. Right. I don't want to get a drink with you at a bar where it's lo- loud and noisy and it's hard to hear you. I want to sit down at a restaurant and I want to have like a full meal um, and really get to know everybody at the table. I mean, that's fair. That makes it sound like what I do is horrible. It's not. It's not. It's a, I mean, listen, <laughs> it's just a different one shots. Set. One shots to me have always been fascinating. I think it is. I think it's great because campaigns are not how new people. Some new people come into the hobby into in through campaigns. Lots of new people come into the hobby by uh, or try different games by hitting a one shot yes. at a at a convention or something. Yep. One shots are fantastic, right? It's just, it's always been like, I didn't come up in the convention scene. I, I didn't live anywhere where there was access to conventions. You just had a gaming group and you played games. Yeah. That's, that's where my comfort zone is. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So Cool. So then this is also episode 200, right? So as we do every year on our 50 and 100th episodes, we're going to look back at episodes we really enjoyed from the past year. So for this section, we're going to be talking about episodes 151 through 199. So let's go, we're just going to go back and forth through our favorite episodes. We share some of them, right? We're going to name the episode and why we enjoyed it. Yeah. The first one we both picked. Yes. Yep. (laughs) So the first one is uh, episode 151 which was the first episode of season four, yep. which is, uh, which I personally love the title because you came up with the title for this. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, which is um, Something Kissy This Way Comes, which was about romance and gaming. Yes. And and I specifically liked our discussion on consent and boundaries and expectations, right? Like, that's why, yeah. that's why I called this one out. I mean, I say that, but I'm also like, I love playing romance and games, so. Right, but I, I mean, I think that, I think the takeaway from that episode is there is a way to do it in a very consent forward manner yeah and in fact some of the things from that episode also got blended into how we run um romance in the ditch lilies it is um it was our definitely our initial foray into that and then when we talked about how we designed ditch lilies to try and take all of that stuff into account i think that's an interesting like continuation of that conversation and heck then we talked about triangles and i think we referred back to a lot of the same things so yeah for sure. So our next one, because we're going to do them in chronological order. Oh, yes. The next favorite episode uh, is on your list. It is. Um, and it was 168, The Name's Bond. And that episode is about character bonds um, and inserting them 
into games that are not, that they weren't mechanically in to begin with. It also had a beefness level event in the outtakes, which I appreciated because I always have to call out anytime I can make Phil totally lose it in the middle of a sentence and start laughing. It is, uh, it is not a it is not a common occurrence. It's happened about once about once a once season. A season I, yeah, it's, I think it's happened two to three times in the four years we've been recording. Yeah, yeah, I, where I totally just just uh, like utterly, utterly lose, lose it. it. Yes, yeah, and uh, you lose it all the time. I lose it all the time. I'm normally the like You're the I'm straight normally man. <laughs> yeah, which is has its own level of irony. Right there. It really does. It's pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, yes. Yeah, so um, so that's the one I was going to call out that, and I I mean character bonds. How can we go wrong? I love character bonds. Again, when we talk about relationships, romance, etc., 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 character bonds. So yes. Yeah. Our next one is number two on my list and number three on yours. Yes. So do you mind if I yeah, mention no. it? Yep, you should talk about um, it. It's actually three episodes. Yes. It is episodes 183 through 185, which was our series on co-GMing. Yep. Which is an experiment that's going to get delayed. Yeah. Right? We were there's, uh, there's prepared no to do this. <laughs> we were prepared to do this at, a, at an upcoming convention, but now we have no upcoming conventions. There are no so conventions. we will actually have to, at a time when conventions become possible again, actually have to go and re listen to these episodes <laughs> and figure this out. Remember what we actually agreed to. Yes. On a good note, we recorded it. Handily. So we can do that. Um, but I did actually like those because co-jamming is not a thing that often gets talked about. And uh, I really liked our approach to it, which was a negotiation style of kind of understanding a number of parameters that take place in co-jamming, right? So handoffs and who's going to be, you know, who's going to lead, who's going to support, that kind of thing. Yeah, we set a lot of expectations, um, which I think mm-hmm. is one of those keys for for co-jamming. And I, I hope that, I know that it was very cool and useful for me to talk through it in a very explicit way, because I think that a part of the reason people have trouble with co-GMing is because they just jump into it and and two people may have different assumptions about how the stuff is going to get split up or passed back and forth. And so I hope it was useful for other people and that we sat down and explicitly discussed each thing and how we were going to manage it. Lastly, the last one on my list was episode 190, Mm -hmm. which uh, was pretty recent, Yeah, which was Transactional Complications. I really dug this episode because, um, again, these things always come to us as a question from from one of you all, and just like this one did, but it really was a fun look at a mechanic that we don't talk about enough in games, right? It's a fantastic mechanic, transactional complications, right? Things that make your life more complicated. And then coming at it from the GM and player perspective about how to, as a GM, best utilize the transactional complication and as a player, how to lean into it was actually a lot of fun. Like, I really dug, I really dug it. That is the kind of mechanical nerddom mm -hmm. that I often take over to misdirected Mark, Mm -hmm. um, but I had a lot of fun doing on the show. To be clear, um, with you. the name of that episode is actually Toss a Fate Point to Your Transactional Complications. Correct. Yes. Sorry. So. The, the, the long. <laughs> I, I, have, I will say this in four years. I have always enjoyed um, <laughs> the effort you put into naming the episodes. That is so in the division of labor, that is not a thing I do, right? I just, I'm like, I'm like episode 190, Transactional Complication check and then i like go and write like the script for the episode um but it's you who actually makes like the titles interesting so when you see them on your um when when you see them on your your podcatcher you have no idea what we're going to talk about like who framed a scene or rabbit 
and yes. too much plan, bit more plan. Um, what else was really good this year? Too fast, too cliche. I I mean, something kissy this way comes was, was very my good. favorite title for the year. Go, right, like going the social distance transition to online play. Right, make dungeons so. sexy again. Um, we had a number of fun grab bag names: pumpkin spice grab bag, September grab bag, <laughs> clues clues, <laughs> blues clues. clues. Anyway, keeping us moving along. Mm-hmm. So where do we go from here, right? What does season five look like? Where do we um, go? Now, normally, um, and 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 part of picking out those episodes is that like I go through the the past season's episodes to kind of see what episodes we've done. So last year we did a lot of grab bag episodes. We did. Grab bag episodes are almost always an indication that one or both of us are traveling mm-hmm. um, because it has to do with the fact that we've jumbled up our normal recording schedule and a grab bag is the fastest way for us to do an episode, which is just three short topics. We don't even write a script for them. We basically just throw the questions in and we wing it. And I say three, because if you're listening and you're like, wait, but some of those grab bags have only had two questions. It's because we went long. And we, we went long and we didn't get to the third question. <laughs> right. I put three questions in. We don't always, we don't always do get three. to the three questions and we've gotten smarter. Right. Now we don't say that we're going to do three questions anymore at the beginning. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> we are smart. Um, <laughs> So anyway, yeah, grab bags are almost always an indication that we are traveling, which almost always means we are on our way to a convention. Yeah, which means we're probably going to see fewer grab bag episodes for the time being, because convention going doesn't really look like it's going to be a part of 2020. Or like, even even if it kind of picks back up again, I'm not sure it's going to be a part of 2020 for either of us, right? It's possible, depending on how things go, that maybe we're looking at like Metatopia, but that's that's kind of about as early as I see it. That's in November. Yeah. I mean, Origins not, not looking... feeling it. Yeah, no. And we weren't we weren't planning on Gen Con, which means that the next earliest one is QCC. Right, which is September. Have to see a lot of how things yeah, are going. I don't before. know about it. Yeah. I'm not gonna commit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this year we did a really nice mix of campaign and one-shot episodes along with our two-topic discussions. And I think that this season you're going to see a lot more of that, right? I think this is our bread and butter. It's the format that you're all the most used to. It's the one that I default to when I'm starting to lay out an episode. Yep. So I would say pretty comfortably you are going to see a lot more of these types of episodes. Yeah. We're probably going to pick up some more design-based episodes as we look at the games that we're working on again, right? So the thing that's kind of happened is there's a pandemic. So we're not doing a ton of designing right now. We've held, is it okay if I say this? We've held our, uh, mm-hmm. our anticipated turning point Kickstarter is on hold for the moment, right? Um, right. And and a lot of this has to do with twofold, right? One has to do with just sheer mental health. Yes. Right? Like, in order to design, you have to be in a certain headspace. You have to um, feel secure enough that you can give your energy to creative endeavors instead of <laughs> feeling like you need to spend all of your energy on survival, right? Correct. And so, financial instabilities pandemic, things like that. I mean, like I'm in New York that has like, even though it's Western New York, that still has its own, you know, its own level of um, stress. Yeah. Um, My, while my job has not had encountered any problems, my job has become even more busy because of the pandemic. Right. So that has like, what you're saying is exactly correct. You have to be in a certain place to have enough energy to put towards creative endeavors. Those things 
we haven't had that energy. And the truth of the matter is, when it comes to running encoded and things like this, it's that's a nice to have for us. Yeah. Like none of us at Encoded are making our lay our living wage on on that company. So we are all focusing on our own self-care and on our own, like taking care of our families, our houses, our friends. So we'll eventually, like you said, we'll eventually come around on this and we'll kick back up into design. Like we have we have three games in various states of construction. Yeah. They're going to come back, yep. right? Like, and Turning Point will come back when it's time. I, like, I don't want to put a Kickstarter out in the world when people are, you know, no. worrying about, you know, paychecks and things There's like that. There's just way like, more important things right now. And I, I would feel horrible. Since, like, especially given that, like, this isn't money that you or I need to live, right? No. Like, so, no. so like, I don't feel like now is the time to be asking people for no, money no. to support a, 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 a an entertainment thing like you know if it, if it was a if it was a situation where like this was our livelihood then i would absolutely go ahead and do it but it's not it, right? it correct it, it 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 isn't so it, we don't need to we don't need to do we don't need to pull um, we don't need to pull money from other endeavors that are people's livelihoods right yeah absolutely and if people have less money like yeah i don't want you to like i don't want people to not put money somewhere else for people who need it in order to support a thing that we're making when we can just launch it later. Yeah. We can just wait. We can do that. We can just wait. It's fine. Which goes the long way <laughs> around this is once we start designing again, it is likely we'll you'll, do some more. Yeah. Design you'll start stuff. hearing some design stuff again for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so I guess the best way to say this is that this coming season should probably sound a lot like this past season, which yeah. I think is great. Yeah. I think it's fine. Right? Like <laughs> I enjoyed this season a whole bunch I had a lot of fun with it, and so I, I'm looking forward to just, you know, doing more of this uh, and getting more ideas from uh, everyone out there. Uh, also, now that we're 200 episodes in, I'm also not afraid to grab a season one episode and redo Remake it. Remake it. Yeah, we could do that, yeah. too, because it's been four years. Exactly. Bound, not not everyone's listened all along a, the way. A, not everyone's listened along the way. B, our opinions have inevitably adjusted and changed and grown. I mean, because all of, all of these episodes are snapshots in time of our current thought process on gaming. Uh-huh. I'm sure that yes. it's evolved. Certainly our safety thoughts, you know, everything about that has evolved. Anyway. Yep. Caring. So at some point, at some point, we may see a Redux episode where I uh, pull one out from like early season one and be like, "Cool, we're doing this. Ep- we're doing this topic all over again." Okay. But all right, but so, those were all um, fifteen minute episodes, so like. But now I can do them in the size oh, that they need God. to be done. And <laughs> when we talk about dredging up old episodes to re to redo, that must be a sign that we are ready to end the show. And in order to do that, to get. Th- to get to the closing space, we must first move through the plug another show space. <laughs> Senda, what show can we plug? Well, on Bonestone and Obsidian, Wayne and Robert take monthly deep dives into the Dark Sun setting and discuss it across all the editions of D&D. Now you may Absolutely. move forward past the closing space and collect $200. Awesome. Say, Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can I do with that information? 
please, please, please send us your topics. As we said at the start of the show, your topics are the thing that make this show go. There's only, there's 200 episodes because you are out there sending us um, topics. Yes. Please, please continue. Please do. Um, <laughs> it, we need we need you. All the topics. <laughs> I'm, we're not this creative. We need you to keep coming up with topics. If you like what we do here, elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon campaign does actually keep everything running from equipment to hosting costs to disk space, all of those things, including um, hosts. It helps immensely. If uh, if you're able to do it, we appreciate it. And in these hard times, if you're not able to do it for a while or need to step back, of course, we totally understand that. And, you know, we hope that uh, you can patron. And if you can, uh, there's some great benefits to patroning the show. The bonus outtakes from the show, the after show from Mr. Mark, the access to our Slack Room for Life, which is a fantastic community, especially in the in these times. We're even having luncheons on Fridays where I'm hosting a big Zoom meeting for people to just come and have lunch and hang out and connect as a way to stay connected during these times. And we also like to shout out to our patrons. Normally, we pick a few patrons at random from our list and shout out to them. But for our anniversary episode, we are shouting out to all of our patrons, past and present yeah. and future. Y'all are amazing. So at some point, if somebody goes back and binges this. You're included. Um, you're included. Like Thank We you. are shouting out to all patrons. You're, so we appreciate you. We, pre- we appreciate you immensely. Senda, there's another thing people can do in order to support our If You Hear Us, You Will Love Us uh, marketing mm-hmm. campaign. What is that thing? You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show. And we are 200 episodes in. So, like, there's a lot. <laughs> but, like, also they could start wherever and, you know outtakes and stuff so anyway thank you very very much to everybody who's already left a review we super duper appreciate them if you leave it somewhere that we won't see it let us know so we can see it because they make us super duper happy anyway say phil show me how you are going to manage the stress of running all of these online campaigns This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Well, now I have to remember what I said. Oh, biochemical determination of arrows. <laughs> yes. That's what I said. Nice way to jam that in there. <laughs> Tony helped with that one. That was good. He's good with that. Yes. I'm eating yeah, chocolate. Very good. Mm-hmm. See, you're eating chocolate and we should have had like our little like feel good snack check-in, except that my candied ginger didn't even make it you until didn't even you got try. on the phone. I, I mean, I sort of tried for about 30 seconds. I have no self-control when it comes to candied ginger. My self-control was that I only took out like three bits, put them in a bowl, and then put that bowl in front of me instead of just bringing the whole plastic container yeah. and then just eating all of the rest of it. It's important at conventions that you actually um, pre-bag your candied <laughs> ginger off into snack packages. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just like, <laughs> I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Candy ginger is amazing. I also love candy good. ginger. Um, we've talked about I know, that. On a, I think we talked about that last week. But you must have uh, had a bag last. At some point. Bloop. 
usually my limiting factor is that I buy it. I, I So I can get it in bulk from my grocery store, right? So that's the dangerous thing is that I can get it in bulk so I can go... But what I do is I go and I just get like a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like just a little bit. The problem is that right now, because of the coronavirus, they're not doing bag your own bulk. They still Safe. have the bulk stuff. Yeah, which I totally appreciate. They still have the bulk stuff. But what they've done is they've pre-bagged it and tagged it. So all the bags are like the same size. Mm-hmm. So I can only go and get like half a pound now. And I usually go and get like... A day's worth, I get like 10 pieces. And so I came home with like a big old bag of candy ginger. And I was like, I never buy this much. This is dangerous. So I put it in a Tupperware and I've been like trying to limit myself to like five pieces a day. (laughs) What you should have done was taken those obnoxious tall snack bags. Oh, God, those things are so annoying. I put seeds in them, though. (coughs) I'm almost out. I've almost succeeded in using them up. I'm eating uh, more Choco Love. You should, dark, as you should. Dark chocolate orange. Although, I was very scared when I went to Wegmans last week. Yeah. There were very few Choco Love bars left. There were, there were other chocolate bars, but... And I'll get into those. It's like, fine. You, you tell me what other chocolate bars there are, and if there are brands that I am familiar with, I can make recommendations. I will tell you that one of them was chocolate and bacon. Nope, don't have that face because I've had it before <laughs> and it's amazing. And second of all, bacon is a feature, not a bug. <laughs> are you sure though? I'm very sure. <sighs> okay. You are well, like, in, so, in, listen, so, in the many things that you are right on, not eating bacon, bacon is not one of them. <laughs> not eating bacon is one of the most wrong things. Bloop. Oh no. Okay, I I just noticed that my hair is starting to reach the point. I know. We didn't even talk about my pandemic oh my cut. God. Yeah, See, you my... got your pandemic cut? It's short. You're like, it's definitely short. It's shorter than usual, but it's like all cleaned up and put together now. <laughs> oh, I got to tell mine you. And is, mine is starting to hit the, it's touching the back of my neck. I'm going to burr. I got to tell you, it was not a, um, it was a leap of faith to just jump mm. right in and just let those clippers like. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and the thing was I didn't have a larger um, guide so I wanted yep. to do um, a 10 yep but you didn't have a 10 so I only had the 8 now I do a 4 on the side like always so I was yeah. going to do a 4, 6, 10 mm-hmm. but I wound up doing a 4 a four, an 8 on top a 4 around the ears and back and then a 6 to blend it in yep. um, which works Right, it's short. Yeah. It's a little shorter than I normally keep my hair, but um, it is short again. <laughs> like it is short, it's and short it's, again. And, and, well, and it'll it'll grow back. Yeah, it'll and definitely then, grow back. Like you'll either do it again, or by then uh, the haircut places will be open again. Ah, uh, yeah. I I don't know. We're um, our governor announced that we are going to remain in what they're calling the pause, New York pause. We yeah. are paused until the 29th of April. Yeah, Denver is paused officially until the 30th, although the state... Um, so the governor just announced today that our statewide stay-at-home is in effect until April 26th at the moment. Um, and then 
could be extended or shortened depending on the results that we are seeing, right? Yeah. So we're we're just like you know. Although so I went to Target today, which made me sad because I tried to do enough shopping last Friday that I would not have to go out at all and then I was like shit. I only have 3 cans of cat food. Um so I was like, okay, well if I'm going to Target then like I'm going <laughs> to buy more fresh produce and stuff and milk and yada yada yada. So so I did that and like now hopefully I will not leave the house for, you know, 10 to 14 days. Um well I mean you know, to go to a public space like that. But um, I was I was very impressed and happy about the number of people who were wearing masks at Target. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm, it was very good. So I'm going to segue and I want to play off of one word in in that sent in in our past sentence about soft cheeses. I'd like to just extract the word oh, soft. Right. We um, haven't talked about soft and hard pants yet, and we're already 12 minutes in. Correct. So I just we need to have this talk. So I'm I know, just going to promise to them. We promise. Yes, I'm going to pull the word soft out of that sentence. Um, oh, man. And having um, having kind of talked a little bit about um, about our coping mechanisms for um, the lockdown. Let's just talk for a moment about soft and hard pants. Right. Um, mm-hmm. This this started as a thing on Twitter. That um, I I take no credit for this. I saw it on Twitter, but I have uh, fully embraced this terminology. It's um, good terminology, yeah. So um, I have been since I've been working from home for for the last four weeks. Um, I am um, I have broke from my normal uniform of jeans, polo, right? Yep. Uh, and I'm going around the house in sweatpants. Uh, and t-shirts with a, um, zip up sweatshirt over it for, um, conferences, like video conferences and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, so I don't have like, um, like I don't have sweatpants like you would think of in terms of like, um, you know, going to the gym sweatpants, right? The sweatpants I have are from when I broke my arm and I like could not button pants, right? Yep. <laughs> like I could not use my yeah. left hand to button pants and yes. I needed pants, um, so they're sweatpants, right? In the, in the fact that they're made of that sweatpant material and, you know, they have a tie and things like that, but they have, um, they have, they have actual real pocket, like pockets that actually like fit. Like I can put my whole phone in my pocket, right? My iPhone, like my tennis max goes all the way in the pocket and then whatever, there's not a single <laughs> pair of pants a woman could imagine that could, they could hold tennis. Yes. And then on top of that, um, they have cargo pockets on the side, right? Which when my arm was broken was super helpful because I could actually mm-hmm. put things in multiple pockets. So anyway, and then they're straight legged, right? They don't gather at the, um, at they don't have the bad ankle and they don't have the bad, like the traditional sweatpant ankle thing. So they, they're just like, they're just pants. Right. But mm-hmm. when I saw that, that thing on Twitter, or I think a Twitter was Facebook. I don't remember which one, when they called them soft pants, I was like, Oh my God, they are they're soft pants <laughs> like they, and they're so comfortable last week when i went grocery shopping i put my jeans on and i was like oh shit son like these are not as comfortable as <laughs> hard I. pants and i have really comfortable jeans like i have um these old navy jeans like they aren't expensive or anything but they're super comfortable and they're they were you know a little bit on the loose side because i'm a bigger dude right um but like I put them on and I was like, uh, these are hard pants. And my biggest challenge 
when we return to the office is going to be saying goodbye to my soft pants. pants. I know I have just I mean, the funny thing that's happened to me is like, I don't wear petticoats around my house. Right. I don't wear petticoats around my house, um, mostly because like, I don't want to sit on them and flatten them. Sure. And like all of those things, which I'm like, if I'm going to be around the house, I'm just like sitting on my butt a bunch. And then like, I, because I'm home all the time. And so I'm like, I can do laundry whenever I have thus proceeded to do laundry never. Um, for like a couple of weeks. I mean, you're there doing laundry. Like I'm doing laundry. Like I'm I'm catching up now. But there was a couple of weeks there that I was like, well, I can just do it tomorrow for like two and a half weeks. And then I was like, I have no more leggings because I was wearing leggings around the house as my soft pants. And I was like, well, now what do I do? Um, because I can't wear leggings and skirts because I have no more leggings. And then I was like. I've discovered my treasure trove hoard of yoga pants that I completely forgot that I had. And I was like, oh, yoga pants, how I love you. So you also you have soft pants. I so have soft pants. But, but, but to be clear, yoga pants do not have pockets. No, 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 no. I think I know for, for actual pant purposes, <laughs> for soft pant purposes, I prefer my yoga pants to my leggings. I think that makes sense. Yoga pants are great. They stay up really nicely because sure. they're meant they're for meant like athletics. They're meant to not slide down, right? Yep. yep. And they like, you can sit cross-legged in all sorts of ways right, and stuff. They're stretchy and all. Bendy, and... stretchy. They don't rip. Yeah, I mean, crunch. you can't sit in a chair normal anyway, so. Nope. Nope. I can't. <laughs> right. You're right. Correct. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, they're necessary. For multiple reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so soft, so I think the great, the great challenge I'm going to have is not to show up at work on the first day. In um, soft pants. In soft pants. Like, I have not worn a polo in four weeks, right? Like, the last time I wore a polo was the day I was heading to the office when they recalled us all to go home because of the, um, from, from a potential scare. And I haven't been back to the office since, and I haven't worn a polo or an undershirt. Uh, I'm literally just like, I've tapped all my geek t-shirts and, yep. and like I've been wearing um, my Scotty vest hoodie, which is like my light hoodie. I've been yeah. wearing it all day at work and I've been good about it. Like I keep throwing it in the wash and stuff like that. But like, that's my uniform. Like I get up in the morning and I put on, like I put on my sweatpants. I throw on, a, I throw on a geek t-shirt. I grab my Scotty. I grab my Scotty off the back of my office chair, put it on, sit down, log in. And that's me um, ready to go. All right. We need to we need to go make we a show. We really need to start because we're 20 minutes I in. I know. We need to make a show. I'm so sorry. If you want to cut some of the um, outtakes at the beginning or something like where it wasn't. I quite still have to listen to them. It doesn't matter. All right. I know. I tried. I always try to say that. Like, it's not so bad. You can skip over it, but you, you can can't. skip over it. But I can't because I don't know where the good stuff is or not. Right. So what you should lies. do is just have a piece of paper and note those Numbers no, but we fun. said funny things at the beginning, too. Okay, anyway, moving anyway, right along. Anyway, you ready to do this? Meow. Cue music. I'm sorry, I went off the script rails there on you. I was just winging it. We're professionals. Professionals. Look, I have this lovely all. sign over here. I do, too. Mine's right over there. Yeah. Well, on Bonestone and Obsidian, Wayne and Robert take monthly deep dives into the dark, 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 dark. Yeah. Show me how you're going to manage the stress of editing this thing in one Oh, boy. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. 
Hey, we're going to have to run because it's 56 minutes and Senda's going to cry anime tears. Bye, everyone. Bye.